It is a joy to exalt you. What a joy it is to lift you up, to give you praise, to sing our songs of worship and praise in the face of life when we don't understand it, when it's not going our way, when our feelings can be all over the place. What a joy it is in the midst of it all to exalt you. We give you praise, we give you thanks, and we honor your name. We thank you so much, Jesus, for what you have done in our lives. We thank you so much for what you're doing. You never give up on us. And Lord, we just love you this morning. We rejoice. Uh, oh, what a joy it is to exalt you. What a joy it is to exalt you. Problems, circumstances, they are not going to be exalted in our lives. You're exalted, Jesus. You're the one that we look to. You're the one that we fix our gaze upon. We thank you for it. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, what a joy that was this morning to see all of our singers out. Absolutely wonderful. And our musicians, come on, let's show our appreciation to them. Fantastic. Wonderful. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a man who made a choice to rejoice. A man who exalted God amidst all of the circumstances that tried to beset him, amidst all of the problems that were around him, in the midst of it all, in the face of change in the face of uncertainty, he chose to exalt God. It's one thing to praise God in the good time, when life is going well, when things are happening to us that make us happy, when things are going our way, when we're successful or we feel successful and life is good and life is full. But it's another thing to give thanks and to give praise and to rejoice in the midst of pain, in the midst of problems, in the midst of crises and circumstances, in the midst of besetting problems. It's another thing to give God thanks and God, pra God, God praise in the midst of those situations. And the man that we're going to look at this morning did that. He praised God in spite of his circumstance. He praised God in awful conditions and awful environments that were around him to praise God, to make a choice to rejoice when there seems to be no reason to rejoice requires faith, requires trust requires that wonderful connection that we gain with him. We're going to look at a man called Habakkuk. Habakkuk, what an incredible man. What an incredible prophet of God who chose to exalt God, who chose to rejoice in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, when his problems weren't going away, when they were increasing and getting worse. This man comes out 
And in the midst of things that he could not understand, he made a choice to rejoice in God. When all of his external securities were being removed from him, he placed his faith in God. He made a choice to rejoice in the Lord. When everything around him was being stripped away and removed, his choice to rejoice gave him a new perspective about his problems, a new perspective about his future as he placed his trust in God. This song of praise that comes from Habakkuk's spirit in the midst of personal pain brought him close to God and empowered him supernaturally to go forward and scale some of the biggest problems that were facing his nation. It takes a choice to rejoice, as we will see, in the midst of uncertain times, uncertain circumstances. It takes a choice to rejoice when things are challenging us. But if we will make this choice to praise God amidst all of the problems, to praise God and to keep our eyes on Him, oh, the, the, the blessing, the rich blessing of His life that follows the rich sense of his strength that comes as a result of praising his name. You read through your Bible and you see that some of the greatest deliverances that people encountered were amidst some of the deepest pains that they faced, some of the greatest problems that they experienced as they raised their voice to God in praise. Deliverance came. In Habakkuk chapter 3, Habakkuk describes how everything around him is failing. The outside conditions and circumstances all about Habakkuk were spiraling negatively out of control. The vital elements of life that Judah relied on were perishing before his very eyes. This nation, this great nation that God favored, that God raised up, that God gave that special land to. This great nation would be, was being attacked by tens of thousands of Babylonians. And they were ransacking their communities, ransacking their fertile land. The land was being overcome by this mass, by this horde. And it was being made desolate and barren. Their resources were being destroyed. Listen to how Habakkuk sets out the picture for us to see. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 through to verse 18 says this. Habakkuk's words, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive tree may fail, and the fields yield no food, Though the flock may be cut off from the, from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, here, here it comes. Verse 18 is his pronouncement of faith in, in the face of huge besetting problems. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. 
Hallelujah. Habakkuk sees a disturbing picture all around him. And he describes it in the verses, verse 17 specifically, that we've read. There's a crisis all about them. They haven't got anything to eat, nothing to drink, nothing to wear, nowhere to go. Those were the damning facts that faced faced the people of God. Things that were usually productive became very unproductive. Things that sustained their lives were no longer a means of supply, enjoyment, peace, and security that they once had was all gone. And Habakkuk was facing bitter disappointment. Everything that should have been alive and growing and thriving had come to a sudden unexpected end. For us to really understand the picture that Habakkuk paints this morning, we have to realize that everybody of that day lived off the land. The people lived in communities and villages. They had a happy, simple life. Their harvest from the land about them and around them was essential for their survival. There was no other means that they could rely on or run to. The land was their only means of provision. The harvest crops that Habakkuk mentions to us were the basic food supplies that they needed for everyday living. People by their thousands depended on the fig tree. The fruit from the, from the fig tree, the figs that came so abundantly, they relied on eight months of the year. Because the figs could be dried and stored. It was an essential provision for them. Stored for months. Kept in that hot climate. And was used in many, many of their meals to give them a staple diet. The grapes provided that Habakkuk mentions provided wine, which was the only safe drink that they could use in that day. The olives gave them oil, which was used for fuel and to light up their homes. It was also used for medicinal purposes and throughout the meals that they prepared. Then the fields that produced such a rich harvest of wheat was used for bread. The sheep produced the wool for clothing and meat for meals. The goats provided milk. The oxen provided transport and was used for plowing. And all of these essential resources had failed had broken down, were no longer available in their abundance to the people of God because an invading invading horde had come amongst them and stripped their land. Six vital areas of life suddenly came to an end. The fig tree stopped budding. There was no grapes on the vine. The olive crop dies The fields were unproductive. There was no sheep in the pen. And the cattle 
were gone from the stall. Habakkuk sees this picture. And it's a picture that he had to look at for over 12 months. This was a prolonged problem. This was a problem that was not going away. This was a problem that didn't have an easy answer or solution to it. And often, when sudden change comes in our lives, when circumstances suddenly arise that we have to deal with, it can leave us feeling separated from God. It can leave us feeling alone. It can leave us feeling abandoned. Of course, we're never separated from God. We're never abandoned by God. But very often, if we're honest, our feelings tell us otherwise. Yet in the face of these destroying, damning circumstances, with all of the feelings that Habakkuk must have held in his heart, in the midst of it all, he decides to lift his voice, to make a choice to rejoice in God. And he sings his song in all of the pain, in all of the confusion about him, with very real questions, troubling questions in his heart. He sings his song. You know, this book is just a short book, but it's so powerful. It's only three chapters long. In chapter 1 and chapter 2, you, you, you read it and you hear all of these questions coming out of Habakkuk's heart. And God doesn't condemn him for asking very real, painful questions. God is able to deal with the questions that we hold in our heart. And we should go to him. We must not allow them to fester. It doesn't matter how disturbing the questions might be. Let's not hide them from God. You might not be able to tell anybody else about them, but you can go to your loving Creator, your Heavenly Father, with these troubling questions. And you can take them to Him, and He will gently answer them one by one and comfort you and, 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 and maybe heal you and help you and bring you through just like he did for this prophet. This man comes with his questions to God. He's angry. He's confused. The nation that he loves is being ravaged by a horde of Babylonians that are reckless and have absolutely no mercy. They're butchering people and destroying everything before this man's eyes. And he has questions that he brings to God, and God gently answers him. And then in chapter 2, there's an amazing statement. And it's almost like a revelation moment for Habakkuk, I believe, where God declares Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith, irrespective of what's happening around you, Habakkuk. You don't get your security by the externals of this world, Habakkuk, because they will fall, they will fail. And all of the things that you depend on, Habakkuk, when they start to go around you, you can, you can find a faith in me that will never fail. 
And he says, there's a revelation moment in Habakkuk's life. The just shall live by faith. And suddenly I believe this prophet gets it. And God assures him that the Lord is in his temple, even though that temple would be destroyed and ransacked and razed to the ground. God declared to Habakkuk that the Lord remains in his temple. And among his people, even though they were going to get carted off thousands of miles away to Babylon, the Lord was with them and in them and for them, even when it looked as if everything was collapsing and coming to an end. And Habakkuk gets this new sense of faith and trust in the God who is sovereign over every event and sees it all. You move into chapter 3, and still his feelings are all over the place, but he describes what he sees, and then resolutely in the face of disappointment, in the face of an uncertain future, he says this, verse 18, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I mean, that is a man with a strong spirit. That is a man who is resolute. That is a man that has made a decision that is not going to go back on it. He's making a choice to rejoice as an act of his will, not as a result of how he feels, not, a, not as a result of how he thinks. But within himself, his will is joined by faith to the life that he has in God. And he comes out strong and he begins to sing. He begins to rejoice. He begins to praise his God. To rejoice means to, listen, I mean, this is quite incredible when we begin to think about the scene and the circumstances around Habakkuk's life. To rejoice means to be jubilant, to celebrate. It means to shout and sing, to jump for joy, to be in a place of triumph and victory. Not to be overcome, but to be an overcomer in the face of distraught feelings, in the face of, 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 of a darkness that's covering the people. This man, in the midst of it all, is declaring his praise to God. Do you know, I remember as a young man reading one old Puritan writer, and uh, it was a quote that really captured my heart. And this old Puritan writer said this. He said, many a believer's faith, or sorry, many, many a believer's faith has worn down the beating hammer of the devil. Many a believer's faith has worn down the beating hammer of the devil. He was simply saying this. It doesn't matter how hard the, the devil hammers your faith. It doesn't matter how repeated it is. Your faith in God will wear out every hammer, every circumstance, every trouble that comes your way. Your faith will not fail you. This is the faith that Habakkuk had. This is the trust that he placed in God. 
And the reason why Habakkuk sees God in such a way in which he can celebrate and joy and rejoice, the reason why is because he understands that God is his strength. Verse 19 says this, and this is Habakkuk speaking. In the midst of all of this crisis, he says this, The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on the high hills. Maybe we should make that our confession. Maybe these words should be filling our mouths when we face some of the troubles in life that we face the Lord is my strength. How about taking that into next week? How about starting your week with that? How about facing all of the situations that are stacked up and queued up next week with that great confession? As problems meet you, as circumstance tries to beset you, as the enemy tries to corner you, you come out saying, the Lord is my strength. That's an unbeatable confession. That is an unbeatable spirit. That's an unconquerable life, and it's in you as a believer. It really is. As it was in this man, the Lord is my strength. Yeah, but what about the fig tree? It's not blossoming. Habakkuk. What about the, 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 the olive harvest that's no longer there? What about the cattle that are dying in the stalls? What about the fields that aren't yielding any harvest? Habakkuk, the Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on high Hills. Habakkuk didn't have any strength of his own. It wasn't about his ability. It wasn't about his own intelligence to get through the crisis and get through the problem. No, it was far bigger than him, but he discovered that the Lord was his strength. The transformation would take place as he praised God and rejoiced in the Lord. Habakkuk looked at the deer. Maybe one day there, out in the field, amidst all of this pain, amidst all of this confusion, and he saw the deer, how it could walk on uneven terrain, how it could scale the cliffs and the heights of the mountain. And maybe right there, when he looked at that deer, that's when the revelation dropped. Lord, I'm going to believe you to make me just like that deer. I'm going to believe you that you're going to enable me and empower me through this song of praise, through this choice to rejoice. I am going to believe that I am going to have feet like hinds' feet, feet like deer's feet. To, to, to scale the unscalable, to ascend the highest mountain, to go up it, on it, and over it, and through it. And he senses this strength, this newness of strength, in the midst of all of his fears. Some of us maybe today need to know that the Lord is our strength. It's a word for you. You need to encourage yourself in it. 
He's your strength for every fear. You can't defeat fear in and of yourself. It'll come at you in too many different ways, in various different forms, and you'll be overwhelmed, in it, overwhelmed by it. But I tell you now, in the power of the Lord, strengthened in the inner man, knowing the Lord as your strength, you will overcome any fear and every fear. David said, I cried to the Lord. He answered me and delivered me from my fear. What's that? The Lord being David's strength, just like he was Habakkuk's strength. For all of life's circumstances, for all of the besetting problems that are on the way, in this journey that we're calling life, there's strength from the Lord. There really is. For some of us today, we're still carrying sadness in relation to relationships that have gone wrong. Or maybe your marriage is under pressure. And everything's strained in that relationship. And it's just become transactional and this is the picture that the Lord gave me about marriage and it's very real marriage goes through lots of different seasons but this is the picture it's it's like two ships passing in the night very little communication very little affection that, that blessed place of marriage that was once so rich, that was once so exciting, has become old. And in and of yourself, you cannot, you cannot revive it. You don't have the strength to do it. Well, it's in moments like that that the Lord will be your strength. He really will. And He will renew what you cannot renew. He will make new what has become old. Maybe you need to go to him and say, Lord, I believe you're going to be my strength. And you're going to be a blessing to your husband. You're going to be a blessing to your wife. You're going to love her as Christ loves the church. Could be health. A health condition in your body. You know, there's many, many people in this, in this church with health conditions in their body. Do they want to be healthy? Of course they do. I think of Trish. You know, prayed for Trish, haven't we? Prayed lots of times, Trish. I'm believing for health. But I tell you something now, you know, Ill health doesn't stop this lady serving Jesus in Jesus cares. And she's more effective than many healthy people. Let me tell you, she really is. And Barry, both of them. But you see, you see, irrespective of what we're going through, that walk of faith, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith is what it's all about. It really is. And that is what we see in this man. He didn't have perfect conditions around him before he believed God and before he walked in this way that God had called him to walk in. No, there were no perfect conditions around him. Everything was all at odds, and yet he continued. 
in his faith. With his song of praise, rejoicing in the Lord. Could be you're raising your children and you want them to go one way and they're going the other way. It could be lots of different life situations that we face that they're the, the questions are, are, are a lot bigger than the, the answers that we have. But in the face of it all, make that choice to rejoice. Even if life seems hard, even if life doesn't make sense, even if you're, 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 you're in a season of darkness, in the midst of it all, Make that choice to rejoice. And suddenly, I believe, what will happen is you will find the same source of strength that Habakkuk found. You'll experience the same transformation of life that he experienced. The Lord will be your strength. He will make your feet like deer's feet, enabling you to walk on the high hills. Do you know, over the last two years, a number of precious ladies, women of God in this church have lost their husbands. Women of God. Women that love Jesus very much. And do you know, I've, I've watched them in their, in their grief I've watched them in their pain. I've watched them in their time of darkness. And in the midst of it all, in the midst of the loss, in the midst of the questions, just like Habakkuk, I've seen them make a choice to rejoice in the Lord with tears coming down their cheeks, with pain in their heart. They've made a choice to rejoice in the Lord their God. On Friday, we had a service here for Steve Price, as many of you know. And in the week, I was talking to Denise about just, just about her loss. And there was one thing about, there was one thing that she said that really encouraged me and Literally, you just think, man, this lady has got such a faith in God, irrespective of how she feels, irrespective of what she doesn't understand and why. In the face of it all, she's trusting God. And she said, Dave, she said, I see it like this. The reason why I can go forward into my future is because I know he lives. And she said, I just kept, she said, I just, over and over in my heart, I'm singing this chorus. And it's an old chorus written by the Gaithers in the late 70s or early, early, uh, early 70s. And, it, and, and these are the words of the chorus. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, yes, I know who holds the future. Life is worth the living just because he 
lives. That's a pronouncement of faith. That is trust. That is trust. In the Lord, your strength, making your feet like hinds feet to scale and to ascend over every obstacle. That is the, that is the, the, the faith and the life that's in you and I. Let's this next week and on beyond this week, never, never lose that praise from our mouth and in our hearts where we make that choice to rejoice irrespective of what's happening around us. I know it's not easy. It's hard for me, just like it's hard for you. But something happens in amidst all of those feelings, in amidst of that dark moment, that dark time. Something happens when you just come out and you just say, Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you're good. It may be just a line long. I tell you something now, God will take it and use it and strengthen you and enable you to come on through. Just as I'm closing this morning, a number of years ago, I showed a little clip, and it's a little clip of, a, of, of some little deer. You may remember it. Scaling a cliff, running away from a fox. Let's call that fox the naughty little devil that tries to hound us. But these little deer are walking on uneven terrain, scaling, ascending, descending the cliffs. And Habakkuk sees. And his expectation is to see that very, very life in his life. We're going to watch it right now. It's only a minute long. But picture, as you watch it, picture Habakkuk, picture your life, God transforming it, God changing it, God using it to ascend and to scale over that which would try to overpower you and overshadow you. Let's watch the screens and then I'll come back and we'll ask our, our musicians to come. Take a look at this. All it can do is wait for one to slip and fall. Youngsters are fast learners, and they're now almost as sure-footed as their parents. find its meal elsewhere there you go look that old fox the devil he was disappointed for some of you that's a picture of next week just to encourage you and you know it 
It's, for some of you, that's a picture of the last six months, the last 12 months. But I tell you, God's given you hinds feet to walk on uneven terrain, to ascend, to scale the heights so that you can be victorious and triumphant in him. Let me finally read to you. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Let me finally read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says this, Now thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. God always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what situation we might be caught in. It doesn't matter what circumstance might face us. It doesn't matter how dark it might seem. Let's lift our voice up. Let's make that choice to rejoice because God, not man, God causes us always, not sometimes, but always to triumph in him, to always be victorious, to always be the overcomer, to be always the more than a conqueror. He always causes us to triumph. That was Paul's confidence. There's no doubt in his heart. There's no uncertainty in his mind. God always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Hold that in your heart. Hold your head up high. Walk forward into life knowing that He looks after you, never leaves you, never forsakes you. And let's with the Apostle Paul carry that confidence in our hearts that God always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. In our darkest moment, in our in our most difficult of days, God always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. We may be in a middle moment of time in our lives where it doesn't seem as if God is going to come through, where it doesn't seem as if God is going to deliver us. Give it a bit of time yet. God always delivers us in Christ Jesus. He always causes us to triumph. And with Paul we say, if God is for us, who can be against us? He's for you. He's with you. He's always around you. And our future is held in his hands. Do you believe that? Amen. I'm going to pray right now. And we're going to thank God for his word. And as we go from this place, let's rejoice in the fact that the Lord is our strength. Let's lift our song up to Him. Matters not whether you can sing in tune or out of tune. He receives it all. Just make a joyful noise. He loves it. We're going we're gonna to go from this place and we're going to thank Him that our, our problems that try to beset us, we have a new perspective on because the Lord is on them and, and in them and He's going to use them to bring Him glory. Father, I thank You for Your people this morning. Thank You, Jesus, for Your grace on our lives. 
Lord, we thank you as we've listened to your word, as we've looked into the situation that beset your people when the enemy beset them. We thank you that one man's faith, one man's decision to to, to praise you, to give you honor in the midst of all of the problems sends out a message to us that we can do the same. And irrespective of what faces us, irrespective of what's about us, we thank you that we will make a choice to rejoice and we will know the power and the strength and your presence in our lives. Thank you for your comfort. Thank you for added strength. And thank you for never leaving us, Jesus, or forsaking us. Amen. If you're here today, you've never asked Jesus into your heart, right now you can do that. I'm going to pray a prayer, and it's wonderful. You can ask Jesus right now into your heart, and a miracle will take place. How he does it, we don't know. But I tell you now, in simplicity, childlike simplicity, when you place faith in his name, a miracle takes place. A relationship begins. Forgiveness comes. And the heavy burden of life that you, you carry on your back suddenly goes. And you, you're made anew, the Bible says. I'm going to pray right now. And to help you place your faith in Jesus, why don't you quietly with me just repeat this prayer just to help you and believe that he's going to come into your heart and into your life from this moment on. Pray this prayer. Let's close our eyes. If you're watching online, you can pray this prayer too. Say this, Jesus, I ask you today to save me from my sin. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you were punished for me, for my sin, so that I might go free, that I might have a relationship with you. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the dead. And I ask you today to come into my heart. I open my heart to you now. Thank you. Amen. Do you know if you prayed that prayer, a miracle, a miracle has begun. Is it as easy as that? Yes. You place your trust in him. God does the rest. If you prayed that prayer, you're here this morning. We'd love to send you away with a Bible. Give you a magazine that we've produced as a church. Many of our, our people have written stories about God's miracles in their lives. Love you to take, take that away and encourage you. If, you. if you prayed that prayer, you're watching online, we will send you a Bible. What a joy it is for us as a church family to be a part of this beginning, this new beginning in your life. Just send us an email and we will get that Bible off to you and a magazine as well. Let's stand to our, our feet, church. We're going to sing before we go. Hallelujah. We're going into a brand new week. And let's believe. 
let's believe that, that our choice to rejoice is going to bring great blessing, not only to our own lives, but to all those who are, who are around us. Amen. God bless you as you go. God bless. Have a great week.